Greetings, beautiful people, and welcome to Queen's Stand Up Support Network Radio. Our purpose and intention is to create a non-judgment zone of support for the leaders and those working to be the change they want to see, where we increase our awareness regarding the experiences that manifest as we navigate through this adventure we call life. Increasing awareness allows us the opportunity to choose to align with the actions necessary to manifest the desired change. You give all of you every day working to live on purpose, and now we intend to give back to you by empowering you to tune into your souls. Let us pray. Almighty Divine Creator, as we grow from strength to strength, we give thanks for this day and the opportunity to expand our vibration as infinite choice makers. Thank you for showing us the way of healing. We are open to receive as we continue to align ourselves with peace. May our homes and hearts be forever filled and surrounded with happiness, healthiness, love, and forgiveness as we live in the present moment, our most powerful point of being. In the name of the Father, the Mother, and the Child. Amen. Mut Kanshu. Ashe. So let it be.
because if I moved to Delaware, I'd have to start my career, my professional life from scratch. But if I stayed in Rotterdam for my job, then my son would grow up without a father. And I need to make that one choice that would determine the future of both parts of my life. And I, I chose my son. I, I left the Netherlands and I, my career to, to be in Delaware because I really wanted to be a father. I wanted my son to have a father and to grow up in the most supportive environment that I could create. But in this life transformation, I recognize something that is really essential, that, that there's no wall between working and living. There's no bubble where it says, you know, this is our work and this is the rest of our life. That business is part of something bigger that is our society. And it was recognizing the interconnectedness between these different aspects of our life that helped me understand how failures in society affect business. And we know that failures in the educational system damage our business, for example. But those relationships are so much deeper than that. You know, a successful business needs effective suppliers. It needs employees who are functioning at their best and needs customers who desire value-creating products. And this is all determined by society. And so a business that cares about society, that finds good ways to benefit society, can also find ways to benefit itself. And that's with that concept in the back of my mind, that, that's where I met Omar and had some conversations with him. Oh, I think that's amazing how you just helped us to understand that making money alone is not as fulfilling unless it's connected to purpose and it has some meaning, some, some sort of way that it is going to improve the quality of life for um, those you're connected with, yourself included. That's what basically I got from your message. So you chose exactly. to, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Um, Omar, would you please be willing to share your story with us? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's, um, I'm, I'm, before I even get into what I do and, and who I am and the whole deal, you know, I, I was recently um, watching a documentary uh, on Dick Gregory. And one of the things he said, uh, that I found as profound as anything I've heard in, in recent years is um, he talked about entrepreneurship and he said, you know what? America is about entrepreneurship. And of course I'm paraphrasing, but he said, if, if you're not trying to be an entrepreneur, then you in America are not doing your job. So wow. I will, uh, so I, I start there, but um but my journey is different. I've done media for more than 30 years, whether it's TV or radio or print and, and the whole deal. And one of the things I always knew, I, and, and in the back of my mind, I always knew that um, it wasn't going to sustain me to work for someone else. And I always looked for that, uh, that next opportunity, what was going what, what to catapult me to where I felt like I needed to be. And I was doing a radio show, um, uh, afternoon drive sports talk show at the time. And I got an opportunity to interview for a national radio show. And when I went to the interview, um, and I don't know how else to put this, but I will say this. The person that interviewed me 
looked at me. He had heard my tapes and the whole deal. He flew me to Los Angeles and the whole and everything. And what he said to me was, he looked at me after he thought I was going to be the lead guy on this tandem team that they were putting together for this national network. And then he saw me. And I don't think I looked like what he thought he heard on the tape, if you know what I mean. And so he said, well, I see you as the sidekick. Now, at that moment, you have a decision to make. You know, can you accept a lot of a lot of money and be fulfilled by uprooting your family and taking them to Los Angeles and doing this job, knowing that whomever they bring in, whoever it is, you're probably better than. And that's the mindset that I had. I'm like, whoever you bring in, I'm better than. At that moment, I had to make a decision about my life. And um, and I just looked at the gentleman and I said, you know what? This isn't, if, if that's the way you see me, then this isn't the job for me. Now, it's fortuitous because on my way back to Delaware, I began to say to myself, you know what? I can't sit here and do this afternoon radio show for the rest of my life. And what am I going to do? And I just came up with this concept called Heritage Sports Radio Network. And it was just a, a blip in my mind. And I jotted the, you know, I'm a big proponent of jotting notes down whenever they hit you, whenever they inspire you. So I jotted that down. And when I got back, I got a call from my alma mater to, to, uh, to call to broadcast their football games. And I said, sure, it's my alma mater. Of course, I'm going to do it. So, um, and by the way, I went to a historically black college, uh, Delaware State University. And so as I traveled around the country, what I found was is that um, Delaware State would play Florida A&M, and I'd see 40,000 people in the stands. And I was like, 40,000 people looking at Delaware State? You know, that kind of, that's the way. But at, so, and it kept happening over and over. We'd go to South Carolina State, and I'd see 20,000 people. And we'd go to different places. And finally, I began to do the research. How many African Americans are going to these, these games that nobody knows about? And what I found was, A, there was no national network covering black college, and B, that a lot of African Americans are going to these games, and, and somebody should be broadcasting them. So that's where my story begins, and that's where Heritage Sports Radio comes from. And I said, you know what? Why not me? Um, it's Ooh. something that I love. I love my alma mater. I love historically black colleges and universities. And, I, and, and you know what? And more importantly... I think I can make a difference. Mm. That's amazing. I love that. I, and I love that you believed enough in yourself um, to give it a try, you know, to say, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to um, explore what else is possible. Right. You know, well, you know um, I totally agree with you because part of it is part of it. And don't think that I didn't, that I didn't have those trepidations and <laughs> that's, that's 15 years ago, but, but I'll tell you what, I had those, those things, but you're right in the sense that I thought, you know what, if not me, then who? And at that point I came home, I looked at my wife and I said, I can't do what I'm doing anymore. I got something bigger in mind. And fortunate enough, she was like, <laughs> her response was, can you give me six months? 
so we can get things in order so you can do this. I said, absolutely. And six months to the day of my coming home from that interview, I started in Chicago. Wow. So that's, that's a, that was an important step, too, to actually take some time to process um, your decision and to actually prepare for you to be able to make your business idea sustainable. Um, you took on the responsibility, and with the responsibility also comes um, the understanding that this was going to be something you had to do for the long haul, but you also had, you know, responsibilities at home to, to right. tend to, you know, your family and stuff. So it wasn't like you just took this risk and you didn't think about it. And, you know, you actually thought about how it was going to affect the, you know, the closest to you um, as well as allow you to stand um, for a greater purpose. So you brought it home and you brought it to the community at the same time. Absolutely. You know, I think that's where um, Rod's and my story kind of parallel. We looked okay. at our family. We looked at our families and said, what do we do now? And, mm. you know, those choices were based in our families and then the greater good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, so I have a question. Can, do you think that you can – so, you know, there are some people out there who are in your – in similar situations where they're generating revenue and it's not fulfilling. And that actually um, does cause, you know, a lot of unhappiness. Well, it, it, it creates unhappiness in some ways because, you know, you have responsibilities, you know, you have to pay the bills and everything, but if you're not being fulfilled, or if you don't see any purpose in what you're doing, it can really affect you on a deeper level, on a spiritual level. So my question is, do you think you can find meaning in any way you generate profit? Absolutely not. The, the reality okay. is that <clears throat> right now when you look across American society, we have problems all over the place that we're reinventing healthcare with amazing technology, with artificial intelligence and, and robots and awesome technology, and yet Americans have the shortest life expectancy in the developed world, that we know mm. that you push a button on your smartphone and you have your loved ones and you're connected with them. But 47% of Americans complain of being chronically lonely. Uh, you go to the supermarket, you find 47,000 foods on the shelves. That's awesome. But those foods aren't really nourishing us. And mm. what we find is, virtually every industry in the United States, there are social issues right around the issue that you, you the, the business that we're talking about. And when Omar and I were talking about HSRN, the Heritage Sports Radio Network that he was doing, we, we began talking about the relationship between corporate America and the African-American community and how there's just call it, you know, cultural misunderstandings all over the place between that. And there are these major social issues. And so, you know, Heritage Sports Radio Network was begun with Omar being inspired to bring the athletics of HBCU games to the com black community. 
But we said, you know what, it can also play a much bigger role in solving some of these issues between some of the social failures that we have across between corporate America and the African-American community. Let's find a way that we can use HSRN and the HBCU community and bring that together with corporate America using Omar's business. So create this way to, you know, bring together these two incredibly powerful institutions in the United States. Hmm. That was a big um, undertaking, you know, to just decide I'm going to take on these two big, you know, organizations and try to bring them together. Um, But it also, it says a lot about your passion for seeing and affecting change. Where did you begin, Omar? Well, it's, I it's know you, well, you partially began with a decision at home with telling your wife, hey, something's got to change. I'm not doing this anymore, you know? Right. Like, right. Um, right. But then what happened? I, I think it's, it's funny that, that, that Rod mentions that because, yeah, it starts, I mean, it totally starts with the passion. And um, mm-hmm. when you are doing something that you are passionate about, I truly believe that it doesn't seem like a hard decision. When it matters to you, and you start talking to other people, and they give you that head nod and that, that thing that says, you know what, um, it, that matters to me too. And I, I, got those, I got some people on my team early on who, um, who got it, who 100% got it. And because of that, it was able to, I don't know, I don't want to say sustain me, but sustain me in a purposeful way, if you know what I mean. To, uh, right up until the time where I started talking to Rod about about see you know the here's the here's here's the issue I've got this network and we're doing some good things but it could be bigger and that's when we began to think about what the problems were and how do we solve the ills in a in the corporate structure as well as in um, the historically black college and university space and because of that now that is now also um, my passion what I will say is this I don't think. I think you begin with, with a passion, but I also think that you, you can – other things can come into your, your vision, and you can see other things and then say, you know what? That's part of it. I didn't see that initially, but it definitely is part of it. And I think the whole corporate structure – I don't know that I saw, saw what I see now 12 years or 13 years ago, but what I will tell you is I am just as passionate about making – this happened as I was about getting the network off the ground. Mm, mm, that's awesome. So um, there were, it was, it just like, it came to you. It, it unfolded for you, you know, like you, it just started to develop. The next step just revealed itself in essence. Yeah, well, you know what? You, yes, um, in, in a way, absolutely. But you know what? What I truly believe is this. I truly believe that if you're doing something, A, that's purposeful, B, that you're mm-hmm. passionate about, those things will open themselves up to you. Who would know? I, and I, I, I say this all the time, and I say this to people all the time, but who would know that my youngest son, best friend, would be Rod's son coming from across seas to come to the same school and then we would end up having that conversation and Rod say to me you know Omar 
I think I can help you. That, I mean, who would know? Mm, mm, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So it, it, it definitely, everything just lined up. So at any point, did you ever feel like, wow, this is way bigger than, than you know, my original thought or idea? Like, this may be too much for me? I don't know that I thought it was too much for me. Somebody once asked me, um, I was doing a business seminar, uh, and somebody asked me, Omar, do you ever get scared? And I said, you know what, every day. <laughs> so um, I don't know that, it, that I thought it was bigger than me, but my, my fear is that the ball will drop and, and things will not have changed, if you know what I mean. And mm. if we're going to be about change, then we have to continue to push that ball. No matter where, no matter where it goes, you've got to be you know, the person pushing forward and the person always looking toward something rather than behind you at something. Mm, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And you Absolutely. aren't willing to live with that. Exactly. And, and business is hard. It doesn't matter whether you're just, you know, sitting there selling something the same way day in, day out, or if you're doing something that is going to have the chance to really have an impact on society. But when you have that ability to combine the challenge of running your business with potential of making a real and meaningful impact, changing the world around you, that's when you get the, the, the passion and the energy to, to really be able to move forward because, you know, helping solve society's problems fulfills us and we need some of the money from, from profit and that's all good. And, and one of the other things that, that really has an amazing power to it is that when your goal is to help solve some of society's problems, the people around you aren't, are, are there to help you. Everyone you talk mm -hmm. to says, I want you to be successful. I want to help you out no matter how you can. And so if you just think about, you know, you're on the line with Omar and Omar just gives you a cold call and he says, look, I want to help your business grow. And by the way, while you do that, you're going to help reduce, you know, that gap between corporate America and the African-American community. All of a sudden mm -hmm. his sales pitch to you becomes a pitch for you to help out and do something bigger than both of the two of you. And that is so powerful in terms of giving you energy and, and the people around you just the energy to help out. I agree. I agree that the, um, the passion and the drive and the results, like when you start to see people's lives changing and you start to see that you are helping to solve um, problems, problems, you're seeing people that, that what you're doing is, impacting people's ability to live a, a better quality of life that definitely inspires you motivates you it helps you to overcome any obstacle and any challenge you know because you're just you're you're like you're you're driven for that feeling for the time that you you know you get to see people um living on purpose people knowing that their voice matters you know that they are important you know, and that what they do matters. I really b believe that, you know, that definitely is fulfilling in and of itself. And so that's the whole part where you're, you know, you're talking about them generating meaningful profit. It's your, it's, it sustains itself over time, right? It does. And it sustains you that the reality is we spend 
the majority of our energy on most days on business. And when that energy is combined with a real passion and drive to, to make the difference, that American society is in a situation where we have failures all, all around us. And I look at my kids when they're sleeping at night, and I go, this current society is not one that we can leave as is. It has to change. And who is it that has that most powerful, the potential to actually create meaningful change in the world today? It's American business and American business people who are in the ability to say, you know what? I can take the world around my business and I can use the interactions that I have to change the way the, the, the interactions happen around me. And we can stand up and create a way to make meaningful profit. The most important aspect of creating meaningful profit is actually about attitude. It's about looking at things and saying, I have either a business problem and looking at society as a way to solve that or looking at the social problems and going, well, what is the way that I can connect my business to that in a way that makes both society and my business better off and saying, yes, by combining these two things, I can do a lot of good. Yeah, it sounds like generating meaningful profit, it's about, a large part of it is about hope, restoring hope, because a lot of people have given up on things. Um, I was just talking about this with a couple of friends of mine, and they were seeing, um, you mentioned about food, you know, and understanding how food, the importance of food and how it affects us as a society is something that I am not sure that we are, um, we've just kind of uh, put a dent in this awareness, you know, in society. You know, there's a lot going on with nutrition and um, alternative eating lifestyles, but eating well is bigger than just um, the, the person's personal health because when a person is not eating well, you know, then it affects their mental well-being as well. It affects their emotional state. It, it affects every aspect of their lives. And so if a person is not, you know, feeling their best and able to bring their best selves to society or to their everyday lives, it affects society as a whole, you know, because then if they're not able to bring their best selves, who knows how they're performing on their job, the effect that they're having with the people in their community, you know. Um, so there's a domino effect. And I think that that's what I'm hearing from you guys, too, is that, you know, there's this domino effect is what people are not being able to see. They're, they're seeing, you know, um, the, the big, the, the small everyday stuff, but they're not really seeing how it affects on a larger scale. So when you start talking about, oh, having quality foods, you know, um, available to people, and then you're like, well, where's the connection with that in society? There's a big connection, you know, because each of us are individual are like little drops in this big ocean of life. So um, you're right. This is our responsibility as a whole to um, raise awareness on the, the issues that are affecting, are having the domino effects on our lifestyles um, and our quality of life as people. But to bring it back, what my friend and I, we were talking about 
was how she was seeing people in the supermarket and they were just um, because, you know, we are um, health coaches. And now when you raise your awareness about health and nutrition, you start to notice things, right? When you start to do your own work, you start to notice the connection that I was just mentioning of food and how it affects people as a whole and then how that affects society. So she's going through the, in the supermarket and she's seeing these people and she's seeing this mother who is in a wheelchair and um, she has her kids with her and they're kind of just like all obese, um, obese, sorry, all overweight. And um, she's mortified because she looks inside their cart and in their cart, there's like, you know, all of this stuff that's going to really, um, cause their health to deteriorate even more. And she's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? She's like, she feels, she felt like, you know, the supermarket was this big um, drug pusher, you know, like this big, um, <laughs> because when you looked at the different advertisements for the food, they were um, subconsciously giving the idea that non-foods were food. You know, they were saying that there was vitamins in um, you know, like these French fries or all the different things, you know, that they were trying to make the, make people believe that they were eating healthy when they're not. And right. so when she's looking inside of the cart of this mom who's obviously o- obese and she's in this wheelchair and she's got these kids that are also obese and she's like, oh my goodness, like there's, how am I, she wants to, she, wants, she felt like a responsibility to reach out to the mom and say, like, this is, this is not good. Look at the stuff that you have in your cart. Like, you know, you're make, your next generation is also going to be experiencing the same thing that you're experiencing. And she felt overwhelmed, you know, by the, the these big, you know, because supermarkets and all the marketing and stuff that goes into promoting these unhealthy foods um, was, is so much bigger than her you know, at this moment in time. And she just felt like, but how can I just reach out to this mom that I see right here without her being, you know, defensive um, about what I'm going to say, you know, in relationship to how what she's putting in her car, even though this big company is telling her that this is good for her, it's not. And the health that she is trying to hold on to, it's going to even deteriorate even more by what she has in the cart. Like, you know, it just felt to her like, I feel like at a loss, like, you know, we have these issues going on in our society, but the people who are able to do something like you're mentioning, right. These big organizations who have all of this money, they're the ones who are making it worse, you know, for society, instead of helping society, they're making it worse. They have, they're in the position to do the, make the change and they can't. And here she is someone who's willing to make the change. She's educated about, you know, the effects of food and health and, and how it affects society as a whole. And she felt like she was at a loss, like she couldn't do anything to, about it. And, and that's one of the things where it's very easy to feel like we can't do something. And yet I think mm-hmm. that there's a lot of different things that people can do. And, and if you begin at, you know, the corporations, I spent some time in, in the food industry and we begin with these myths about what's going on. And it begins with this myth, well, you know, people just want, you know, the food that's unhealthy, so I'm just going to produce it. And it's not that simple. So from the corporate perspective, and this is one of the things that I feel very strongly about, uh, the, the food labels are just a complete disaster and a complete mess. And, you know, Europe is doing some experimentation with new types of 
red, yellow, green light food labels. You can guess, you know, green is the healthier stuff and red is the stuff you should really avoid. But that still isn't going to be creative enough and going to allow the food industry to really invest in foods that are going to make us healthier. You need to go ahead and, and that's, that's probably a different conversation focused on how that we can allow the food industry to make money by providing healthier food, by pr- allowing them to, to, to label the uh, foods on that. I have something on my website, rodwallisphd.com, about how you can change the food labeling system to allow companies to do that, and, and that'll be fantastic. But at the same point, one of the most powerful places you can ever imagine is being together with someone else at their table. And talking with them while they eat, because that is where the background that a person has and where that person's culture really comes out. It's at the dinner table. And part of it is, you know, what they're eating. Are they having, you know, tofu with soy sauce? Are they having chitlins? Or are they having, you know, whatever, you know, hamburgers? And part of it is the conversation around there and, and around, the converse, around the table. Part of it is the people who are there. Is grandma sitting there with the rest of the, t- the family? Or is it just the teenager eating over the sink? Whatever it is, I think that food is a really core place where we have the ability to see and interact with people and see who they are and what they are and have really high-quality conversations. And if we take that even one step further, how we interact with people at people's dinner tables and and where they are eating is actually a symbolic of saying that that we can interact with people on a truly meaningful human level if we're having a conversation with people. So uh, I'll let Omar take this in terms of how Omar and I have had some really interesting conversations about how sitting with someone in their family at family, things like Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners relates to how we interact with them on, the, on a day-to-day basis. You know, I, and you really bring up an interesting point because that's what we've done is we've started this initiative called Extending the Family. And what I hear from about your friend is – that she felt overwhelmed, like, what do I do from here? And, and what I try and tell people all the time is what you, what you can do is you can do that one thing, that one interaction. You never know where that one interaction is really going to take you. So what we've done is, like, for example, in, the, in, in historically black colleges and universities, I tell people all the time, if you went to one, you kind of sort of went to all 101. My brother went to Howard University, right? I went to Delaware State. We are not just blood brothers, but we are brothers because of the schools that we went to, because we both went to HBCUs. And the rest of my family who didn't, (laughs) they find themselves out of the loop in the conversations that we kind of have because we kind of identify with each other because of the experience, if you know what I mean. Mm Mm-hmm. What we've done is that's why we call what our initiative is, is extending the family. Because what we know is, is that, and I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you join somebody at their dinner table, okay? And all of a sudden, you're the new person. So you sit there and now you have to make, let's say, grandma impress you because you're dating somebody, that kind of thing. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what ends up happening is, how do you have that interaction 
in that situation so that everybody, A, invites you back, and B, realizes that you're not a threat. And that, for, for the most part, is what you've said about your friend. How does she have mm-hmm. that conversation with that woman so that woman, A, doesn't see her as a threat, and B, it become meaningful so that she can help? Right. And, 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 and what our initiative is, is exactly what you were talking to your friend about. It's exactly the same thing. In spite of the mm-hmm. fact that it's going toward corporate America and we're having meetings with people on a bigger, bigger vision, it's still what we think is that one-on-one engagement and all engagements, if you really look at them to the core, are the one-on-one engagements. And that's where you can't be. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is you be nervous. You can't be scared about that one-on-one engagement because it may take you somewhere else, may take you to that next place. And extending the family is taking um, what black colleges have to offer and saying, look, HBCUs do it a little bit differently than, let's say, predominantly white schools in this country because their mission is different. But because their mission is different, don't sleep on the idea that, th- that these schools are not producing the best and the brightest that the African-American community has to offer. And here's how you incorporate what HBCUs are doing into your corporate structure. And that's kind of the conversation. But again, it begins with that one-on-one conversation. It begins, for lack of a better phrase, in that grocery store where you see that overweight person and then you say to them, um, can I talk to you for a second? I'm just, you know, please don't take offense to this, that kind of thing. And that's where mm-hmm, the conversation mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's, I love that. Um, what I got from that, Omar, is that meaningful profit, it doesn't start with the profit in mind. The profit is kind of just like an added benefit of what is possible. It starts with generating meaning in life, you know, and Mm -hmm. really having, like, really caring about people and life itself, life being able to sustain itself. And I think, mm -hmm, go ahead. Well, you, you know, it's really funny. I was talking to a, somebody that I know that, you know, that is in the, uh, the corporate structure right now. And one of the things they talked about is, you know, Omar, they were like, uh, we need to uh, – part of, part of my problem is that I've got to make it more meaningful. I've made money. I, I can make money, but that's not what my, my life is about anymore. And they're searching. I mean, and this is somebody who's in the corporate structure at a very high level, and he's searching for that meaning. And I think it goes the other. That's what I said to him. I said, well, look, part of what you have to do is you have to find what's the meaning, what's going to sustain you for the next 20 or 30 years. You're, you're 45 right now. You're looking for that thing that's going to sustain your, not just your, your wallet, but your soul. And I think it's more, more meaningful when you start with the soul because, I mean, you know, and part of it is everybody sees the passion when you walk into a room and you know that your soul is full of whatever the concept is or the change that you know can be made from what you're about to present. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Everybody does. You, you, it's a feeling. It's, a, it's an energy. It's a look. It's, um, 
it's kind of um, just uh, beyond something that you can put into words. It's, it's, it's just, you know, life-giving, you know, right. and it's, ener- it's energizing in essence. And um, when people are, that's, a, that's what, you know, is the difference for what you're doing here. You're um, bringing people to, because just making money at some point makes you feel very robotic. It's good, right? We have to pay bills, right? But just making money and not feeling fulfilled can also lead to disease. Because if people are not feeling fulfilled in their life, um, they're looking for something to distract them from their lives. Well, what people look to distract them from their lives becomes addiction. Because if, you, if you're looking to be distracted from your purpose and your passion, that's something that it's a, it's a, it's a hole that will not be fulfilled with anything except for you finding meaning in life. And so that's where a lot of uh, addictive behavior comes in society and we get to a, a, a place of, of lack of meaning in life. People are just fulfilling, trying to fulfill themselves with things or with food or, you know, with alcohol, with, you know, so then that change that tips um, the culture in a totally different direction when you're not feeling fulfilled and having meaning in life. It, it, it brings on the onset of depression, um, a lot of different things. So, you know, they go hand in hand, but it's so funny because I, for some people, you don't really see it till you're at that moment and you um, have tried everything else, right? You've tried to um, live by the standard that has been set, you know, uh, perhaps in your family or through society, mass consciousness in general, right? Right. You've got to make money to pay the bills. When you try to just Mm -hmm. do that, right. To be successful, go to college and get a good job and, you know, you know, have this huge business. You don't realize it until you're on the top and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. This is not enough. And you're like, right. but I thought this was every. I have, I thought I, I have everything that I need. What else? What more could I want? And you realize that it's something so simple as having that one-on-one engagement, real, real, authentic conversations and relationships with people that you're missing. And you're like, what? I'm missing the one-on-one dialogue. I'm missing caring about people's kids. I'm missing, you know, finding about um, <laughs> uh, people's hobbies and what makes them feel, you know, love life. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm missing. That's what I'm missing. I got all of this going on here and I'm missing that. Yeah. And people yeah. that, and pe- people that, that, um, people that live a life with purpose who re- recognize what they're doing, how it is serving other people, they are healthier. They tend to have, you know, lower blood pressure. They tend to have less heart attacks, et cetera, et cetera. There's a bunch of different data around it, but exactly mm-hmm. as you're saying, that this is about approach, how we approach society, how we approach other people, and with caring about other people and recognizing that, yeah, we have to have our business that's going to make money. Yeah. But if we're approaching life and our business with a focus on service, then we're going to end up mm-hmm. being feeling better and we're going to end up doing more good and we're going to actually create more value for society. And what is profit? It's a measure of value. So when you do that, you yes. can end up better, better off yourself. Mm-hmm. I love that. A measure of value. Profit is a measure of value. It sure is. It sure is. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like the universe's way of rewarding you for you know, good works. 
you know, like you're doing, you, you're really making an impact. And then when you have that feeling of feeling empty, when your, your profits are not meaningful, it's kind of like the universe calling you out, like, hey, we've got some issues. Good job. You, you know, you generated all that revenue. That's awesome. So now let's fix some of these issues, you know, <laughs> that we have uh-huh. going on. <laughs> so they go hand in hand. So we're not, we're not harping on, you know, people who are out there who are just, you know, focusing on the bottom line and bringing in that revenue. We need you guys, right? We need that too. But let's come together. Right. That's what basically what you're saying, what you did. That's what you did, Omar. Right. You brought you're bringing them together. Right. Right. I mean, you know, you could consider me the middleman or the messenger or whatever. But what 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 I think has happened on on one end is I had these schools call me and say, you know what? Um, We have had they want to do radio. They don't have necessarily the money because of budget cuts and all that kind of thing. And so they're like, Omar, can you help us bridge that gap? And then there's the corporate structure who doesn't who, – who says, you know what, every corporation – this is something that I find very interesting. Every major corporation that, that you talk to will tell you, well, we're doing something. We're doing something when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And then the caveat is, but we could be doing more. Yeah. The but we could be doing more has a, has a lot more to do with the idea that they don't know what to do than it does that they have a mission to do something because they don't know how to connect to these HBCUs or who are producing the Kamala Harris's and the Oprah Winfrey's and the, you know, that they, they don't know those people and you know, that they don't know uh, how, how HBCUs are doing this. And, and part of what I feel like is my responsibility. And, and I hope that Rod shares this as well is that what we do is, we're trying to say, hey, they're doing something really incredible here, and what has to now happen is an engagement in which you tell them uh, on the corporate side what it is that you do, and then they can tell you what it is that they do to produce these, these, kind, these people, um, and maybe there could be a meld in there that helps grow not just HBCUs but the corporate structure because let's be honest. What we do know about diversity is the more diverse you are, the better you are able to understand and move your, move, move your corporation forward. I love that. Helping people to see the connection of how investing in those who are working to, to create change is going to help society as a whole. That's what you're doing. And it's powerful because I don't think that we're seeing the connection as, as much as we need. Well, I think, well, some people do see the connection, right. but I think that the more awareness needs to be raised of how one thing affects another um, to help, you know, develop the solutions that Rod was talking about in society and that you were talking about in society as a whole. Um, we, we have to help each other. Um, and even if it's just helping each other to see, you know, um, how mental illness can be um, overcome by just, you know, investing in more, let's say, bringing more um, healthier food choice options into our uh, public school system. Right. You know, like, yeah, so like just bridging the gap. Exactly what you said, bridging the gap. 
awesome, absolutely amazing. So um, we talked about a lot of um, great ways that, you know, we can generate meaningful profit, um, including, you know, starting with the one-on-one engagement, you know, um, and then just um, raising awareness, right, helping people to make the connection, Um what are some some other ways that you know an everyday person can get the ball rolling on generating meaningful profit? Well, I'll answer this actually on behalf of Omar that everyone out there has people that you know, and what Omar and I are doing right now call it a hundred conversations, which is that we want to have a hundred conversations with people who want to know and are really interested in extending the family, the initiative that um, he's got to connect the uh, African-American community to corporate America through historically black colleges and, and universities and people who really care and are passionate about that and want to explore how it is that Omar and his, his team can be more successful with that and connect it with the right set of people contact Omar and contact HSRN because we want that conversation. We want to have conversation with people who want to think about this and help us understand how to do it most effectively and make the the best impact on everyone's lives. And I think that that's, that's something that can happen. And it really is everywhere that it is specifically with extending the family, but you're with a business person and you're aware of some kind of social problem around them help them talk it through and think through, well, is there some way that they could act that benefits both environment and the investors in that, that company? Because there are ways that we can all benefit by doing things that make us all better off and looking and exploring and thinking about that as an approach to society. We don't need to just sit there and complain and go, oh my gosh, it's so sad because there's, <laughs> we end up depressed that way. There's too much that's sad out there. But if we think and, and, and focus on, well, can I begin to think and approach and think about ways that maybe there could be a win-win situation that we can solve this problem, that's a way to be more positive and end up more, more happy about our own lives as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So extending the family, having 100 conversations, that's where, that's where you guys are going, 100 conversations with who? To be honest with you, it doesn't – we'd love to have 100 conversations with 100 different corporations and that kind of thing who actually get it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily that. It's, it's people who are in the community who are doing good things because you know what we believe, and this is something that I, I tell my team all the time, and, and we, we honestly believe that there is no such thing as a bad idea. It's how you spin it. It's how you twist it to make it the idea that you need it to be. But it's got to go up on the wall. So without those conversations, nothing goes up on the wall so that you can move it forward, if you know what I mean. So what, mm-hmm. what, so we are talking to everybody. We are talking to the community activists because they just may have a, a, a unique approach to something that we mm-hmm. then adopt into our everyday lives. What I don't believe is, I don't believe that you can 
have a conversation, say, and, 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 and from that conversation, come away with it and say you got nothing out of it. If you're doing that, then you're, you're, you've got the wrong approach to begin with. You've got to be looking for that. What we talk about right now, what you started the show with, is about meaningful engagement. Meaningful engagement will translate to meaningful profit. But you have to have those kind of engagements, and that's why we want to have those conversations. And it doesn't matter with whom. Awesome, awesome. Well, where can we find out more about the work that you're doing? Well, I can be – my email is, uh, is uh, obashir, that's B-A-S-H-I-R, at hsrn.com. H-S-R-N stands for Heritage Sports Radio Network. And, uh, and you can also go to srn.com and, uh, the office number and every, I could give all that out, but nobody, <laughs> but the <laughs> office and emails and all that kind of stuff are right there on the website. And, uh, and what you can do is certainly and contact me and, and we will definitely begin to have a conversation. I'd love to hear from, from some of your listeners. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think there are a lot of people out here listening in the community who, and I've, heard, I've talked with them, who want to do something, you know, to help to bring solutions to some of the issues that we're faced with. But um, it just feels overwhelming. Like the, the woman, the example of my friend in the grocery store, it feels overwhelming. You don't know where to begin. Um, but we've ta- what we've, the, the show has brought to the light is that everything, everyone matters. And everyone can't do everything, but we can all do something and you know even if it's just it doesn't start out with the focus on having things be profitable that's going to happen organically it starts with impacting people's lives and just having a conversation making authentic connections with people because that's what's really our society is craving right now we do spend a lot of time with social media and social media is great it really is but a lot of what's happening is people are um, losing their connections, those one-on-one connections, and we see it. You know, when we go out to dinner with people or with our friends or family, we see it when we're hanging out. Like, it's, people are not having the same conversations one-on-one. You know, everything is for the show. Everything is, you know, um, on stage, but what's happening behind the scenes is the work that um, Omar and Rod are doing in regards to generating meaningful profits. How can we use social media to, um, to solve some of these problems? That's what this discussion is about, you know, so bridging the gap, it's hugely important. I want to thank you um, gentlemen for coming onto the show today and helping us to um, raise awareness on this topic so that we can see the connection, you know, of how what we do matters and how we are the change that we desire to see, you know, and if we don't do it, then it's not going to get done. So, you know, if like, like Omar started the show, if, if, if not him, then who, if not you, then who, if everybody is saying, Oh, we need to do this. Oh, we need to do this. But nobody's doing anything, right. We're just going along with our lives. Then that, what the problem is that's the first part of the problem 
you know, is that we, we're passing the buck. But you can do something. You can't do everything, but you can do something. You can get a conversation started. You know, you can make a connection with people, right? If you know someone who's out there doing great work, and maybe it's not you, you can connect them with Omar and let the con- let's just let it just organically happen. Something's going to happen because of the energy and the spirit of the people who are connected. You know, so maybe that's what you can do. You know, oh, I know this friend. Send someone's number. You know, let them share the podcast. You know, share an email. You can do something. Maybe once a week, just try to do something to um, generate more meaning in life. And as a result, a profit will um, come about. So thank you so much, gentlemen, again, for coming on to the show. Thank you, everybody out there in the community who listens. Go out there and do your part because what you do does matter. You bet. Today's show was such a blessing. Join us next Sunday, March 17th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we discuss how to be a successful quitter. Our guest host will be Stanley Robertson. To learn more about Stanley, visit his website at www.thequitdoctor.com. Until next time and always, beautiful people, be blessed and queens, stand up.